0: Inspiration, success stories, expert advice, strategies, new ideas, and amazing conversations. Everything you need to become a great speaker. This is Oscar Santolaya, and welcome to Time to Shine. Hello, and thanks for joining today. Today we have a guest, one of the persons who really knows how to rock the tech stage. So a uh, really great speaker in the tech arena. And today we will focus on the experience he has for online presentation. That's what we do most of the time during these days. So let me introduce you. My guest is Kevin Henney. is an independent consultant, trainer, reviewer, speaker and writer. His development interests, contributions and work with companies covers programming, people, and practice. He has been a columnist for various magazines and websites, a contributor to open source and closed source software, and a member of more committees than is probably healthy. He is co-author of two volumes in the Pattern-Oriented Software Architecture series, editor of 97 Things Every Programmer Should Know, and co-editor of 97 Things Every Java Programmer Should Know. Hello, Kevlin. Hey, Oscar. Very welcome. It's nice talking with you, Kevlin.
1: It's a pleasure to be here.
0: <laughs> and the first thing I would like to hear is a bit more about yourself, of course. I'd like to hear your journey to become professional speaker and trainer.
1: Yeah, so it's kind of an interesting one because I I started really my professional career as a software developer. And one of the things that I found I enjoyed was kind of communicating things, not not in meetings, not in presentations. Uh, I started writing articles. And it's this idea of just sort of like, yeah, I'm, I'm writing this code or here's a technical idea. And I, I started writing articles for user group magazines and things. And I felt that that was, I kind of enjoyed that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I started thinking perhaps there was something a little bit more to this. I enjoyed the explanation when I became a team leader. I enjoyed this kind of discussion. It's kind of a little bit of coaching, a little bit of mentoring, and that kind of interaction. But it wasn't until I decided on kind of taking a very different direction in my career. I became a, I decided, I became a contractor, decided I wasn't happy with that. And an opportunity came up at a firm that did training and consultancy. And I don't think I'd ever stood up in front of anybody to do presentations except I think my master's degree thesis, that was it. My, my defense of my master's degree, that, that was, that was probably it. And I, I'd never, I'd never been in that position before. And suddenly I was asked to do presentation and just, just present something on a topic that I liked. And you know, that, that's, that's fine. But it was when I got that job that things started changing. In fact, even before I started that job, I was invited to speak at a a user group event that was organized by uh, this company. Uh, And that was kind of a baptism by fire. That was, and this is okay. Let's, 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 let's contextualize this. Let's go back to the nineties. We are not, we are not using PowerPoint here, direct to screen. We are creating, we are creating slides. We're printing them out. We're going to a shot to get them put onto acetate. You know, this is overhead projector type stuff. Okay. It's that far back. And, I don't think I did a great job, but I did really enjoy it. And it was basically <laughs> through that um, and then the training side of things, that act of explanation, uh, talking to talking to a room full of people, spending time with people over a few days. Um, and I started then kind of submitting to conferences and being invited to conferences, more importantly. And so that became something I fundamentally enjoy. In fact, I actually feel quite relaxed when I – uh, well, I was going to say, when I go on stage, I'm using the present tense there. Uh, when I went on stage, uh, I haven't been on stage since last March. So, but I, I found that I quite enjoyed that because it was an, again, it's this idea of explanation, but it's, it's, it's like writing, but it's, it's a little more interactive in some sense. Uh, it has a very different set of strengths and weaknesses. So that, kind of firmly put me into the idea of like, yes, actually, I am a speaker. I'm not just simply somebody who works in the technical space who does occasional presentations. It's actually, I think part of my job mm-hmm. is communication, is to try and get ideas across, and being a speaker is one of those. It's one of the most accessible. It's quite in- enjoyable. It's quite interactive. In a conference environment, you obviously get a lot more, um, in, in presence of something, you get a lot more discussion, but it also uh, means that I get invited to... Speak at company events.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and these days that continues, but clearly online. Uh, in other words, you're now dealing with internal uh, aspects. You get kind of conversations you wouldn't otherwise have, things that people wouldn't necessarily email you about. You know, hey, mm-hmm. you don't know me. Hi, you know, this. It, it, you get that. And so it kind of builds up. And you also learn things. One of the things I discovered through teaching and presentation is whatever you think you know, by the time you have actually stood up in front of a, a group of people, you will. Be in a position of having known it better. You will have had to have mm. understood it more deeply and from many more sides, and so that—that that is, if you like, that—that's that, kind of the journey. It's always ongoing, but I think that that's kind of how I arrived at how I arrived at this kind of change of perception of what it is that I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, super interesting, and I think, as you said, your motivations was like sharing knowledge. Huh? You you wanted to, yeah, yeah. You felt like. That was something uh, that came spontaneously, sharing knowledge, explaining things, and yeah, that's yeah. That's
1: it's it's rather it's it's the idea that perhaps I guess uh, it's a streak of idealism within me is just like information wants to be free. I don't think that knowledge mm-hmm. is good tied up inside people's head. If you realise something, then maybe there's somebody else that could do something with it, and even better, somebody who somebody else who's prepared to do something with it. Perhaps you're. You're not uh, who's um, prepared to, who comes up with an alternative idea based on that, and it's kind of like, yeah, this is really quite fun. And then they come back and they say, hey, yeah, I took this idea, I did this, I built this product, I built this library, uh, this code library, or I tried this technique out, and in ways you'd never have thought of doing it. And and that kind of feeds, uh, that kind of like feeds the cycle, as it were.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And another idea you said is that. For instance, in one new concept that you more or less you know it, but not really. <laughs> and if you yeah. are, if you have to do a presentation, you will be forced to to understand it much better. So that's, that's yes, you, you are.
1: It's it's much easier to understand. Well, sometimes it, it, it's there's two things. One is it's easy to, easier to understand something in your own mind than necessarily mm-hmm. sometimes explain it. And sometimes the very act of explaining it kind of exposes either that you don't really have the kind of grasp, the depth that you thought mm. you did. Or that maybe, you know what, this isn't that good an idea. Now now it, now it comes out of my mouth. It's just like, this isn't <laughs> such a great idea. And I, I see that with coding ideas, design ideas, uh, and so on. You go, hmm, yeah, I wonder if there's a different way of looking at that. But also that idea that other people won't necessarily understand something the way that you understand it. And so you're looking for other points of view. But what I find fascinating about Doing that um is that sometimes I find that, oh, by trying to explain to somebody else, I have found for myself a better point of view. I thought I understood it, now I really understand it. But also the very act of sometimes researching something. Sometimes you kind of pull a thread and you think, well, what why is this? Why am I having a problem with this? Perhaps a piece of code. You discover something interesting. Or what is the true definition of this word? How are mm-hmm. people using this? And you disappear down a rabbit hole you come out the other side with a lot more knowledge and you're thinking well oh, I, I can't f- i now can't fit all of this in one talk and mm. guess what that's the uh, that's the inspiration for your next talk
0: exactly your next talk you have not only one talk but more <laughs> <laughs> yes yes as as you also mentioned in in what you have been doing in the last months as many of us most of us personally have not have any in presence talk f- since beginning of last year as as most of us yeah. I don't know if you have had a few already, but yeah the majority are are online so it's obvious it's been online yeah. already for m- more than a year for for many of us so please tell us a bit of that experience in this last 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 year your experience and some discoveries maybe some anecdotes tell us a bit of yeah
1: that. so yeah the, the last time and, i the last time I was on stage to give a talk it was uh, was March um last year mm mm-hmm. And that was the uh, Beauty in Code conference uh, in Malmo in Sweden. And that's a single track conference. You know, it's uh, it's some really interesting um, speakers and talks. Conference I enjoyed very much, but basically that really was the last thing. My Mm. work the following week, which is supposed (laughs) to be in Germany had been cancelled. So instead of flying, uh, so instead of flying uh, from there, which was going to be actually flying from Copenhagen uh, into Germany, I was, I somehow had to work my way back to the UK. And so that was the last time I was on stage, and that was, you know, it was it was a fun talk and all the rest of it. Funnily enough, if you had if we had held this interview next week, um, the last time I would have been on stage would be tomorrow because I'm actually oh or Friday uh, this week because I am actually going to record pre-record a talk for a conference. They now want to, this particular conference wants to do a pre-recorded talk, mm-hmm. but they want to have people on stage uh-huh. even if you can't have people in the audience. Um, so that, that's going to be the first meet that. Actually, uh-huh, standing yeah. up. So, for me, the a number of things that I discovered very, very quickly was as a speaker, I am quite, uh, I walk around a lot. Mm-hmm. I am quite energetic. I'm some speakers relatively stationary, some uh, speakers prefer a podium. Um, that is not me in that sense. I wander around the stage. I'm a l- bit of a nightmare for cameramen yeah. um, <laughs> and, you know, and, and camera crew. And the lights. Uh, <coughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and the lighting and all the rest of it so um but it is for me that was there were a number of things i discovered immediately and it was pretty much a couple of weeks after i got back from beauty and co a client switched doing a training course from actually in the real world they switched it to doing an online and at that point it was, a, it was a real trial by fire now prior to this What's my experience of sitting in front of a camera, you know, sitting in front of my um, uh, PC, uh, giving a talk? A few webinars. I had done a few webinars. I found them but to be very remote experiences, quite literally. In other mm-hmm. words, I felt very disconnected from mm-hmm. uh, the audience. Sure, I'd used a number of uh, video conferencing uh, tools, but not in a way that I would say I had any any kind of expertise or expectation of them. And, and so, I, in other words, I didn't really have a strong awareness of, of what was going to happen. And I tr- so going into this course, I suddenly discovered I discovered a number of things, You know, certainly to do with a number of the platforms which were better, which were worse, and uh, which were easy to use, which were the most open, which were the most convenient, but also in terms of presentation. And that idea that I am, as a, as a very physical speaker, walking around, I've been sitting in my chair for the last year. This <laughs> has been absolutely the opposite. I could not think of anything more opposite. But I also have learned to try and translate a little bit of that. I realized after uh, after this course, uh, apart from the fact that it was exhausting, honestly, doing uh, however mm. long you spend standing up in the real world, at least you're getting some kind of exercise. You have human contact. The minute you are in front of your PC, it is everything is harder. To make that connection with somebody else, you need to respect breaks more. If you are in the position where you are just doing a regular presentation, that's great, Uh, a regular length presentation. But if you find that you are doing uh, longer presentations, anything over an hour, you need to start thinking about do you have control over uh, having a break or when to deal with uh, Q&A and things like that. Um, Mm. You start to think about these other human factors. You can't necessarily see people asking questions, but what I've learned, a number of things that I've learned is, yes, you can translate the kind of the energy to the online thing. Um, one of the things I've I've learned is how to <laughs> use my hands. I speak with my hands a lot. Um, <laughs> and that people are often very static when they are in front of a camera mm. um, uh, sitting at the desk because sitting at a desk is a very static thing. And. I think I probably, I don't have any strong recollection, but I, I noticed that I, I started shifting to the idea of like, no, I'm actually talking to somebody. How would I do this? If I were, or not even consciously thinking, about how would I be if I were in the room? Well, i probably be waving my hands around a bit, uh, moving, mm. uh, within, within the frame. So one of the things that I have learned is, is it helps, um, for me to have a, to have a frame uh, with a picture of me, I, I, I say this because there are a couple of pieces of advice online. I say a couple; these days there are thousands upon thousands <laughs> of YouTube videos offering advice. But one of the one of the pieces of advice I've I've seen is that you should you shouldn't have an image of yourself on the screen. And I understand why many people say that because it can be potentially distracting uh, seeing an image of yourself that is not behaving like a mirror um, uh, on screen. I make the opposite point of view um, from the point of view of presentations. Perhaps in a meeting, um, that advice uh, that's being offered is sound. But if you are the centre of attention, you also need to be a little bit the centre of energy, and um, an understanding. If I want to show, you know, I, I've, I've learnt to to use the the frame. There is a frame here. If I want to use a, a visual metaphor, I will try and move my hands in a way that you know fills the frame, does something, but you need to know where the frame is. So mm-hmm. I've actually found the visual feedback is quite important, understand where the frame is. One of the other aspects that I discovered is that I didn't really have I, – I, I didn't I – yeah, let's put it this way. I didn't know what I was doing, quite <laughs> simply. Um, you know, I had some ideas, but ideas and opinions are not the same as actual experience. So what I did very early on is I – Contacted you know whenever a meetup group and a lot of people in the early on in the pandemic were sort of saying oh we've got to move our event online or let's have a meetup and all the rest. Of it. I started volunteering for a series of these. I suddenly thought mm-hmm. I have all these years of experience standing in front of people talking and I know how to I, you know I, I I know how to do that. I can always get better, but I have a level where I am comfortable doing that and that's not a problem. And suddenly here I am in this new environment and and I, I'm struggling a bit. But part of the reason I'm struggling is a lack of experience, just as whenever we don't have experience to do something that we need to recognize, oh, yeah, this is why this is hard. I haven't been doing this for the last few decades. Uh, So I, I made it an explicit goal. I'm not normally one for having such explicit goals. I made it an explicit goal. I need to learn how to do this online. The only way I'm going to do that is by doing it. And so I volunteered to speak at user group events and things like that that were online. Just practice, you know, make your mistakes and make your mistakes, sometimes mm-hmm. to a more limited public, but understand the kind of the, hmm. the shape and the style, the pacing, the difference of what it feels like, uh, the difference um, in different environments. And also that idea that now people people can now see your slides. Um, they're not at the back of the room. They, they're, they're in front of a screen. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, some people are looking on a phone. So maybe they can't see your slides. But there's this question of what am I presenting? You. Most things will translate over, but it depends a little bit on a little bit on your existing kind of slide material. If you use slides, um, not all of it translates online. It it, uh, it can sometimes seem too busy or uh, too many builds. So, yeah, builds definitely don't translate very well and through kind of uh, Zoom and Teams and all these the compression algorithms. They 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 make it very jerky. Um, so there's a whole load of bits and pieces that you discover, but also one of the other things I've discovered is everybody's trying to solve a problem here, which is how do we make online events engaging, whether it's a small user group uh, or a, a larger conference that has moved online. One of the things that they everybody's trying is, right, well, do we just do this as Zoom or do we, do, do we create a kind of a, a conference environment and so on? And you often get very different experiences. And I think that can be the one that is disorienting for some people. The, the idea that uh, so one useful model is a studio model. Um, you have somebody who is the host and you are the speaker. You speak to them. They will pass on questions. Sometimes in those, they are trying to get a really nice video. The problem for you is that that's, that's it. That's you and the presenter uh, or the, the host there. Mm-hmm. There is nobody else in the room. So you, again, have to summon up that energy. Quite different to, am I speaking to a room for, you know, it might just be kind of like, I guess I refer to it sometimes as the Muppet Show arrangement on the screen. You have a grid of people, and at least there are people there. And that's a very different kind of style versus, oh, there's just you and the people involved in production, and now you're speaking. That feels like a little bit more like a traditional webinar. And that can be quite a difference, a huge difference. So in other words, it turns out presenting online is not the same as presenting online. It can be a very, very different experience between two different setups, between two different companies. There's, in one sense, more variation than there is in the real world. In the real world, you stand at the front, you do a presentation, there are people in the room that the variations are the size of the room, whether or not you have a microphone and <laughs> all of these kinds of things. So there's kind of... Um, it's it's learning how to do that and saying I feel comfortable with this or as comfortable with doing this as I did as I am on stage. That's been my uh, big kind of learning experience. So yeah, it, it is it is quite different. But there is this idea of something about the rhythm, the breaks. If you are in charge of a series of presentations or you're running a workshop, one thing I have discovered is do respect breaks. People are mm. it's, it's draining both for you is, but also for people who are listening. <laughs> So that idea is I have never been so punctual in, and respective oh. of the time in my life. You know, when I'm in the room, I might, I have a lot more, I'm a little bit sloppier with the time. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if it particularly if it was a long session or I know there's going to be a big break at some point, I'm, I'm not necessarily mm. as concerned about that. Whereas now it's just like, no, actually, you know, yeah. people are sometimes in a home environment and there are other events going on in a home environment. So if you said, you know, we're doing this present, Yeah, it's we're running this all morning and we're going to finish by this or this is supposed to be a half hour session and uh, this is supposed to be a half hour session. They may have scheduled something in afterwards mm-hmm. in a way that yes. simply wouldn't make sense in the physical world, but they can do here. Mm-hmm. So you kind of had to pay more attention. to that. So timekeeping is a gift <laughs> I've okay. learned. I had a, an interesting experience though recently. I was told, oh, Kevin, so we'd love you to just do a 15 minute chat. That's fine. Um, 225, so 1425 German time, absolutely not a problem. So that's mm-hmm. I'm in the UK, so that's 125, absolutely brilliant. 15 minutes, brilliant. So I thought, great, so that's fit. I, I, I can fit that in, not a problem. The introductions and discussions at the beginning went on so long that I actually messaged the um, messaged the organizer. I said, mm-hmm. you know, when we said 225 German time, it turns out it's going to be 225 UK time. They <laughs> slipped by a whole hour by Whoa. doing these introductions, which Whoa. was. You know, I, it was it was absolutely astonishing that you know an overrun of an hour. So yeah, n- I would say not everybody has learnt the lesson on timekeeping.
0: Yeah, it's true, it's true. Now we the, the speakers are more responsible about the, the timekeeping. That's 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 already yeah. a good a good point there. So definitely one of the things that I would like to reflect on that is that for you that you have massive experience, a lot of experience in that. You are super confident. You know exactly how to speak in in stages. You recognize that. It's completely different. It's well, not completely, but it's very, very different. The doing these things online, and you and we, we all have to learn a lot of things. So that's yeah. I think it's comforting for some people who might be hearing this, (laughs) who might yeah. Yeah, we're
1: we're we're very much in the same boat. And for (laughs) some
0: people, this may actually also be a strength.
1: I think for some people, this this may be more terrifying, particularly if they're already confident in being able to speak. It feels like, oh, actually, I'm not confident anymore. I don't Mm. know how to do this. But for some people. I, I know some people who are actually more comfortable sitting in front of a screen and mm-hmm. doing a presentation um, this is their comfort zone um, they feel mm-hmm. you know they, they don't feel that they can stand up in front of people yeah. but sure they're happy to talk about the things they're interested in in front of a camera and be quite animated they feel much that they personally feel more engaged so there is this idea that there's kind of like a a little bit of a shake-up here that some people mm-hmm. feel Some people feel, oh, this is new, disadvantaged, I hate public speaking, and now I still hate public speaking, but I'm just doing it in a different frame. (laughs) Uh, Other people say, oh, you know, I don't have, uh, might notice, oh, this feels really different, I don't feel as confident as I used to. Other people might actually experience, some people feel the exact opposite. It's like, oh, okay, this is quite good. If I was standing in front of a room of people, I would feel a little more... concern but i'm in my i'm on my home ground people there is potentially a kind of like a a home advantage uh that uh, is being played here you know it's like football teams they have an automatic advantage playing at home and uh, uh, an interesting discovery recently just as a kind of side note people often are used to assume that the home advantage was because you had the home crowd cheering you on well the pandemic has given us a, an excellent opportunity to actually find out if this is true, because a number of football matches have been played without crowds, without a, without mm. anybody there. Oh yeah! It turns out the home advantage still exists. <laughs> so uh, it's kind of interesting. You don't you don't. It's <laughs> not the crowd. It's just you feel this is like human beings were territorial. So for some people, it's just like you know what? I'm in my room. This is my environment. I'm in control of this. These are my slides. This is my talk. For some people, that like, gives them something they didn't have before. Um, yeah. so,
0: so it changes the landscape a bit. Home advantage, yes. So yeah. now we would like to hear your your best advice. But let's divide it in two parts. One is for yeah. for the least experienced for the ones who don't do presentations often. And later I will ask you for the ones who are more advanced. So let's start with that. For the people who are not so used to presentations, what is your top piece of advice?
1: Yeah. So if you're not if you're not so experienced with presentations, you know there's a number of the real thing is. Let's keep this simple. The idea is that you are going to be appearing. So just make sure I'm not going to sort of say, go out and buy a whole tonne of equipment. I don't have a whole tonne of equipment. What I do find, that just a a, a couple of things. First of all, just make sure your lighting is reasonable. Do not sit in front of a window. Natural light on you is helpful, but the idea is don't sit in front of a window, high contrast and all, all the rest of that. Another point is if you do have a second monitor,
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Then you know if you don't have a two monitor setup, now is a good time to start considering it. But one of the advantages of that is you want to have a, a setup where you are in control of one screen, uh, and there is another screen that, if you regard, you can consider to be your projection area. This is the, you know, this is the stage. In other words, rather than trying to share a window to your audience, if you are sh- if you are sharing slides, sorry, this is all in the context of sharing slides or. Other, you know, if you want to share a document or anything and say, hey, let's have a look at this. And so therefore you're sharing your screen. It's, if you have a second screen, that just makes it a lot easier. You can say that screen is what people see and it just makes it clearer yeah. in your own mind. Don't try and think, which window am I sharing? That's confusing. Um, and you often don't realize when you're making a mistake. Whereas if you say, uh, as humans, we are still very physical creatures. So if I have a physical separation. So for me, mm-hmm. the screen on my right hand side is public. Mm-hmm. That's the public space. You know My other screens—that's not public, so I can do other things there. I can keep a chat window open and things like that. But have a clear, have a clear physical separation. Just because you're in a virtual environment, have a clear physical separation. Just make that more comfortable. The other thing is uh, going back to the, the, what I was talking about before about the diversity of platforms and arrangements. Now, many places, whether even you know, sometimes if they meet up, it doesn't matter if they're just a regular meet up or a, another professional conference. Possibly less so if it's in your own company and you find that you're doing a presentation within your own company. But separate organizations are more likely to schedule a a kind of a uh, pre-presentation check. Mm -hmm. Always accept this, you know. You know, and sometimes I'm going to say, you know, it can be frustrating. And somebody who's done a lot of talks online, yes, it is frustrating because suddenly you now have two things in your calendar. I previously had one. <laughs> You've got to now schedule in another kind of check session. But do but do, do this because, first of all, it just, you know, it's that simple confidence. If you are not, um, whether you're comfortable uh, as a speaker or not, just make sure that you're all on this, you know, the permissions are all right. You understand the, the tool you know, we're a year on and everybody, you know, the news, you know, it's become a verb, you know, Zoom. People have even I even heard people talk say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll Zoom you later on Teams. It's like, what? You know, the, the point is that it's its transcended that. We assume everybody knows Zoom. That's not true. Mm-hmm. Um Dealing with somebody the other week, they said, you know, I've been Zoom once or twice, but they didn't have experience of it because in-house they consistently use Teams or another organization that consistently use Google Meet. The idea is, The buttons are in different places, and it doesn't matter if you used it a few months ago. All of these products are being constantly updated. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a real sense that, you know, it's slightly in one sense it's good they're improving, but in another sense there's a slight sense of like, wait a minute, wasn't there a button to do this? Oh, it's changed name, it's moved (laughs) around. This, so, but do that to get comfortable. So, in other words, um, particularly if you're a new speaker, you're or a not confident speaker you're going to, to feel a little bit uncomfortable. So get that comfort. In other words, know the environment. You know, you, it's not the same as going to a room, but here you know the environment. That's great. So understand all the little bits and pieces about you know, where the buttons are, what what the cues are, um, uh, what the chat looks like, um, stuff like that. And the obvious one is how to share your screen. Just make sure you know how to do that and you've got all of that in place. So these are more. these are things to do with just like, you look okay, you know, make sure that your your lighting setup is okay it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be super imperfect it's just um, that it looks okay that your sound is okay that all of that's okay uh, but you have peace of mind with these other things and that as another aspect uh, for peace of mind um I have a backup i always have my phone next to me for two reasons one so that if the connection goes and i haven't had this yet but I've come close to needing it. Um, if uh, if my broadband, if there's a problem with my broadband, then I can switch to using my phone as a Wi-Fi hotspot. It's it's not it's not necessarily is going to be as good, but if you're in the middle of a talk, it's a case of like, oh, actually, is that is it game over? Do I have to wait for everything to kind of come back, or do I have a backup plan? Mm-hmm. So again, that's that's that just met, there's a little more peace of mind there uh, from that point of view. But also make sure you have a clear line of communication to whoever has organized the presentation. So that might be chat within your environment, but it might also be make sure that you've got an email address that gets through or you're using WhatsApp as a back channel or something, Mm -hmm. but you have something there in case something goes wrong or they need to communicate with you. Uh, Just understand the cues. So noticeably, what I'm describing here is, is not really the content of the talk, that advice hasn't changed that much or well, there's a couple of points i might want to make in a moment but it, it's more about finding yourself being comfortable and just coming across reasonably well you know you don't have to have a super studio set up and uh, uh, you know uh, the best broadband in the universe uh, that might not make you feel more comfortable um, you still need to feel more comfortable if you're a new speaker what are the things that are going to help you get through this
0: yeah yeah definitely excellent excellent points. Okay, now we go to the for the more advanced, the ones who already either they have been doing a lot of uh, presentations face to face or they already have know how to use the tools, have some experience using the the Zoom, Teams, being enrolled at some conferences, but they're not at the level of the super pro who sometimes I see some speaker in this online conference and they are using so many tools and cool stuff. That, oh. <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Yeah. More advanced. Uh, again, I would say it's not again. It's not down to, tools and and all of that stuff. Is more that's a lot down to personal preference. And I I, I also see <laughs> that in the real world. It's sometimes easy to forget that in the real world, not everybody does everything. So so for the pros, okay. Maybe you want to include a video clip in your talk. I I have a I have a kind of a, I have a few basic rules <laughs> that I tend to try and follow whenever I do talks. One of them is don't use embedded video um, because I find there is just so many problems with that. But some people will want to do that. You need to know that that does not work that well uh, automatically online. That you are going to be going through um, the way that the way this stuff is transmitted, you're going to end up. Some, the other person at the other end is going to get a, typically a very poor experience. There are some settings that you can change in certain environments. I. You know, I'm going to ask you to go and look, look those up. Um, as somebody who doesn't do this, I don't really know them, but there are some settings that you can change that will change the way your video is transmitted so that you are, when you share a video, so you have something that is optimized for video as Mm -hmm. opposed to slides and that that will mean that you get strong fidelity down the line. In other words, you're not getting. Kind of crappy sampling of um, some MPEG playing on your screen, and that looks really bad at the other end. Actually, what somebody else is getting is pretty much what you would get that that there is so there's a different mode you need to set up there so honestly, the first one is don't do it, but if you have to do it, be aware that there is a difference there. Um, another one is make it clear how you're doing um, communication uh, to people, for example for Q and a now again, this depends on environment. Because if you are not in a position where you are in the kind of the same virtual space as the audience, then this is not really a relevant question. And in those cases, you're typically dealing with a host who will ask you questions that they've picked up um, from the audience at the end. So your Q&A is at the end. However, you can really play an advantage here. This is something I've discovered. It's kind of interesting. There's an extra dimension here that we have that we didn't have if we were in the room which is you can keep a chat window open and people can say various things or so on. And you can, you can choose to take questions as you go, but it's not in an interrupting style. You can incorporate observations and so on. There's a kind of like a a secondary stream. If you like, you get this at conferences where people sometimes tweet during a talk and you don't get to sit as as the speaker. You don't get to see that until afterwards here. You can see it as it's happening Uh, or people can sort of ask for clarification uh, or whatever. And, Yeah, don't pay attention to the chat window too much, but it's a case where you can glance over and go, oh, okay, here's a theme. I see that that's kind of interesting. You're able to give your talk a little bit more real-time response without necessarily stopping to ask questions. I would still say questions at the end is still the best policy here, whereas in the room, I tend to – I think it varies on size of of audience, nature of conference and nature of talk – a formal keynote, you probably don't want to be taking questions in the middle anyway, Mm -hmm, but if there's an informal kind of chat, then you can still kind of promote that within this, uh, within this environment. Um, The other thing is do remember you're doing a talk. (laughs) I have, I I have done some events with people who I, I know that they are incredibly dynamic and uh, very compelling on stage but what has happened is during the pandemic, what, what is our normal experience of using uh, these uh, these tools? Our normal experience is being in meetings. These are historically positioned as meeting tools. Yes. So that becomes our learned experience. So I have found people who I know went on stage and standing up are incredibly dynamic, but they've suddenly lost all of their pacing. This is, by the way, what happened with this. Thing I was mentioning uh, the other day that they, the, the person kind of lost their sense of like, oh, I'm actually giving a talk. There are people mm-hmm. listening. Rather than I'm in a meet, there's a different psychology to being yes. in a meeting. <laughs> and I found a number of people when they're giving talks, it's like they're in a meeting, just showing some slides. And it's like, no, that's not the dynamic in the room. That doesn't that doesn't work here. Uh, you're missing some energy. You, the idea is that you need to be leading this, otherwise if it is a meeting then i'm expecting somebody else to talk or contribute in a moment so they've taken a very unpaced uh, version their voice their tone has you know their tone is is no longer that of i'm giving a presentation I'm trying to make a point that it's just, it's kind of conversational and possibly even a little bit boring, uh, dare I say. And Mm -hmm. so they've, they've lost the idea because their practice has been, Oh, I'm doing meetings. I'm doing all my meetings online and you, you know, how you do anything becomes how you do everything. If you're not careful, you suddenly fall into that and you lose your presentation skills. So that's uh, one aspect that I would would definitely say. Now there's other elements that I think for people who are advanced, again, and I should have said this also for uh, people uh, who are more introductory or less confident, uh, make sure you can see a clock. Mm. Do pay attention to the time. In my where I'm sitting, I can see four different um, four different time timepieces. Oh. Um, you know, uh, yeah, that's not by design. It's just how things have evolved. I see there's a watch. <laughs> there's a <laughs> I've actually got a, a clock on the wall that if I look up, I can actually see it. I did not put that there four years ago because I thought, you know what, I, no. I need to I need to do this during the pandemic. <laughs> it's just the only place in my office where I could put the clock. So, <laughs> uh, but it happens to be convenient um, being able to track the time. Uh, one of the other ones that I would urge speakers to do is understand your time zone. This is really important, particularly if you're running, if you are in charge of running an event or you are running an event that lasts more than, if you're giving a half hour talk, then it's a little bit easier. But if you are doing something that spans a longer presentation period, you need to be in the time zone, the typical time zone of the people you are talking to. Don't keep excusing saying, oh, I'm in my time zone. It's this in your time zone. It's whatever." no work in their time zone. Don't just imagine you are there. That's it. Mm-hmm. There is only one time zone, right, right. You know, which, you know, I've, I've done, um, I, I, did a, uh, I did some sessions in Australia um, last summer. It's just like, yeah, the sun is rising here and it's setting there. <laughs> Fine. I'm in their time zone. I'm saying we're going to take a break now for 10 minutes mm-hmm. and let's come back at this time. And I'm using their time yes. zone. And I was use your audience's frame of reference. doesn't matter where you are. It's, the talk is, is, is there from mm-hmm. their point of view. Understand that you are in their point of view. So you, one thing you need to get good at time zones. Okay. But also imagining yourself in another time zone that just gives people a little more. It just makes it a little more confident. It flows a little more. Mm-hmm. There's, it's, it's, it's one less obstacle on the road. And don't forget when we're doing online presentation, it's all obstacles. Okay. So if you can just have one less thing that people throws people out <laughs> of their kind of attention span, then uh, that, that certainly is helpful.
0: Yeah, it's quite excellent piece of advice. <laughs> make me made me think of other ideas having heard. Yeah. Great. Carolyn, could you share with us what is your favorite quotation? Ah, uh,
1: probably my favorite quotation is from Emile Auguste Chartier. Um translated into English is there is nothing more dangerous than an idea when you have only one idea. Mm. And I love this. It it kind of always it causes you. I I use it in the context of technology, but it's also a valuable kind of day-to-day idea. We get very comfortable sometimes, and we assume either because of our experience that, oh, this is the one right way, or this is the way to do it because I've always done it this way. That's the classic one. But it is also a reminder that sometimes, you know, okay, yeah, I've got an idea. That's great. Now, what's your other idea? And sometimes people will, well, hang on, no, I've I've just shown you my idea. It's like, no, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But how do you know it's a, that that's your best idea? It's also at this point, your worst idea. Okay. So, <laughs> so, by definition, if you've only got one of them, you can't compare them. And humans are uh, one of our relative skills. We're not always good at it, is pairwise comparison. When we have more mm-hmm. than one thing, we can say, oh, okay. Yeah, I see. I can trade off. I understand between these ideas why this one is better or why this one is worse or why this one <laughs> works in this context and that. So it kind of keeps open a kind of more questioning attitude, which I think is very healthy.
0: Mm. Very really good one. Kevin, could you now recommend us one book that has been particularly inspiring or influential for you?
1: Oh, there's a bunch of books. This is a hard question. I mean, honestly, there are a load of books, but a lot of them I would say are very personal and might not strike the right core. But one I would say, mm-hmm. if I think about books that I find myself recommending to other people, that I think actually there's a universal experience here, or you know, it worked for me and this is, this is appealing to you. I, I'm, to have to, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to have to kind of work, come down to two, one of which is the the general appeal one. I would say almost anything. But there's an artist called Austin Cleon, and he's written uh, three books. These are all these are small format books. You can read them in one sitting. Uh, each one of these in one sitting. Uh, steal like an artist. Uh, show your work and keep going. And this is for people who. And he's coming from the perspective of an artist, and he's writing primarily for people who consider themselves to be creative work. But actually, I it go it, it so therefore it's relevant. If you're in technology, this is relevant. If if what you do is in the arts, this is relevant. Mm-hmm. But actually, even on a day-to-day basis, particularly starting with steel like an artist, and bracketed by by keep going, each one of these has a, a different message. But steel like an artist gives us this idea that we get better through synthesis. You know, it's this idea of of borrowing or seeing and being inspired and taking ideas from elsewhere, and this kind of like idea that you're bringing. You know. Few ideas are truly original, but what makes things interesting is the, the the spin you might take on something existing. Again, it goes for things like our experience. So that's the sort of general one. So if I had to pick one, it's going to be still like an artist by Austin Cleon. Second, my second tier is anything mm-hmm. by Austin Cleon. My third tier is actually a book I reread recently that I read a number of years ago by Alan de Botton, The Constellations of Philosophy. It's a lovely book and it's quite restful. And he, instead of treating philosophy as a very high-minded abstract subject, it kind of relates it to everyday things and you pick up some odd bits of history. It's quite, it's quite comforting. It's quite real. It, it makes the real world, you know, in one sense tolerable, which I think in this, uh, in this, in these times makes a lot of sense. So I'm going to say that's probably my, my most personal one. And I, you know, had you asked me uh, a week ago uh, that my answer might've been different, but I read by coincidence. Mm-hmm. I was, I changed, sure. I tidied my bookshelf, my bookshelves at the weekend and I, picked this book up and read it. Again, I hadn't see, uh, you know, I'd forgotten I had it. And it was just like, oh yeah, this is why I enjoyed this book. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I haven't heard about those books and both sounds super interesting. So thanks for sharing. So final question is, if you can leave us with an exercise, something practical that you would recommend us doing the regularly, a routine to shine.
1: Yeah, that's interesting because that re- that assumes that I'm very disciplined as a speaker. <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> is there anything that I do That trade that, you know, I think, oh yeah, that makes me a better speaker. Um, uh, that, that's an interesting one. I, I think that the curious thing is the bit that's going to help you be a better speaker is that, funnily enough, the bits that aren't about speaking. It's it's the, it's the classic message of, you know, go out for a walk. I think sometimes that is the easiest thing. Get a good night's sleep. Some crazy stuff that these solve so many, these very simple things. There's nothing original at all in what I'm saying, but I have found they have made an absolutely massive difference, mm-hmm. particularly when dealing with people in different, you know, what, what, what time zone am I in today? What time zone do I mm-hmm. – um, have I finished this talk? Maybe you're concerned about something you're not sure you prepared. Honestly, just giving yourself enough time to either in the day go outside, go for a walk, go for a run, do something that is just not to do with the, the work – you will find that that becomes easier. In other words, what you're doing is you're just shifting the load, rather than I'm going to do this by by trying too hard every week. It's actually no. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take away the strain. I'm just going to just just chill out. Let the brain have a bit of let the brain have a bit of time. Particularly yeah. if you're concerned about speaking, or you're really, or, or you're not concerned, but you're so focused on what you're doing, that the chances are that you're going to just drive through it. You need to remember to have that little bit of space. You know, it's, it's the idea there is just have something else in your life take the take the strain or take the relief move it over a little bit so get that bit you know either sleep or walking outside and even if it's miserably wet and raining which it has been uh, <laughs> here recently even just honestly just standing standing just looking at the rain just getting some fresh air you know we've in, in these pandemic times we've gone and traded Office Air conditioned air for the air that we have at home, mm, yes. uh, but we no longer have the travel. Um, it turns out that many people used travel as a form of decompression, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I used to work in London and, you know, even on the underground train, which you think is like being very closed. It's still somewhere else. Um, we, get to see, we don't get to see a lot of somewhere else at the moment. So mm-hmm. give yourself that. And honestly, it makes coming back and sitting in front of a screen doing a talk a lot easier. You just It feels, yeah, I'm, I'm here um, I, and I'm fresh, rather than here is yet another. Here's another thing, a meeting followed by a meeting mm-hmm. followed by a presentation followed by a meeting. You need to break that one up. And that will improve your presentations.
0: Yes, that's a great reflection. In, in Yeah, definitely. We have to do it uh, regularly. Oh, thanks a lot, Kevlin. It was uh, really fascinating having this conversation with you. Please let us know how people can find you on the net, get in touch with you. What are the best ways for that?
1: Yeah. Um, my, my parents um, were very generous in being able to give me an internet unique name before the internet started. <laughs> um, so Kevlin Henney, if you Google that, that will come up with stuff. You can find me on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn and, you know, a number of other uh, things. But those are the two that I probably pay the most attention to, plus my email inbox, uh, mm-hmm. which, you know, you can find. Uh, I'm sure that there are spammers out there who've got my email address, so I'm sure that mm-hmm. <laughs> anybody can find it. Uh, but, yeah, uh, LinkedIn and Twitter are probably the easiest things, and there I can be found just as Kevlin
0: Henney. So you're the only Kevin Henney. <laughs> uh,
1: there might be another one, but they most probably famous. don't have as – Yeah, yeah. They, they don't do as much online as I do, yes, so, yes. Uh, you know.
0: Fantastic. Again, thanks a lot, Kevlin, and all the best. Thank you, Oscar. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Did you like it? Please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Stitcher, or visit us at timetoshinepodcast.com. Until next time.